time we're live. Hey, what's going on? It's another episode of Sparring Partners Podcast. My name's Kobe McKinley. On the other side is Brad Jones. Brad Jones, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. That's, that sounds great. And uh, before we jump into it, uh, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, comment down below if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Um, like the video. And as always, we're brought to you by Film Fight Freaks, where I have been working my fingers down to the nubs, writing all these prelim previews. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy week of fights, but but a fun one nonetheless. Um, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been fun. We've had two early cards. We delayed uh, we delayed recording a day so that we could watch the card this morning. Um, because otherwise we would have been posting the episode as the fights were happening today and we would have been talking about the fights for today. It would have been a mess. So anyway, we're here now and you'll be seeing this on good old Thursday. Um, yeah, yeah, Brad, how have, you, how have you felt about three cards in, uh, in one week? Um, I am hyped about having fights back after the long drought. Um, love and having fights back, especially the banger of a card we got on Saturday. Um, just the fact that they gave us a Wednesday card at 9 a.m. basically tells me all I needed to know about the card, and that is essentially all I got from it. I will have a scorched earth review of that card later. Um, but as for right now, hyped about the fights last weekend, hyped about the fights this coming weekend good time to have some fights. See, that's a, that's the thing. I um, I woke up this morning about 8.30, took the dog for a walk, turned on ESPN Plus app on my TV, and bam, there were just fights on. Um, I, had to, I had to mute them while I was in class, but other than that, I just, I just kept it rolling. I, I had planned on... Um, I planned on doing another live stream today, but I had a had a a date day with uh, the gal pal. Actually, well, actually, not a well, not as much of a date. It was more. It was we went to Bardstown Road and uh, went to the old book of music. I had a box of games that I wanted to uh, trade in, and uh, I'm the proud owner of a complete in box copy of Guitar Hero Live, which hey. I really played before. Yeah, I, I, picked, I picked up the uh, the PS3 version and um, what's kind of cool is we could use it on like on PC with a thing called Clone Hero, but we won't get too much into that. So just <laughs> imagine, just it's imagine like, just imagine, yeah, different podcasts, but just imagine any song you could want the community has probably made a, you know, a thing for it to do on PC. I, so I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. But uh, but yeah. So when I got back home, I turned the fights back on, watched the replays, and it was a you know pretty good day. I'm down for early fights. I loved Saturday, like the, the Max card, which we'll also get into this episode, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, let's get into let's get into what's on today's episode. Uh, we have uh, UFC Fight Island 
seven, Holloway Cutter reaction and what's next. Then we just finished it up today, Fight Island eight, uh, Magni Kiesa results and what's next. Uh, Khabib's big announcement. If I could add air horns here, I would. If I could add a, a wimpy trumpet afterwards, I would also do that. Um, and then, as always, odds and ends. So uh, let's get into it. We're going to be taking a look at the results from uh, Fight Island, and I'll move our uh, I'll move our, our beautiful faces over to the other side of the screen. And uh, there we go. So yeah, we had uh, I, I changed the prelim of note to the absolute war of a heavyweight bout on the prelims against Felipe and Tafa, those dudes just threw down. At one point going literally forehead to forehead and just just banging it out in the middle of the octagon. It was, it was super fun to watch. Um, and then, yeah, we had Soriano taking out Dusko. Uh, I like that name. It sounds made up. Yeah. Um, shock upset. Uh, versus uh, Buckley getting KO'd. Yeah. Um, Ponzinibbio getting upset. Yeah. Ding Li Ang Lee taking him out in the first round. And then Condit and Brown went to war. A couple of old dogs got to show off all their tricks, and it was a super fun one to watch. How did you feel about the coming event? It was fun, very fun. Um, not like super violent or anything. They're two old men, no. so they don't have like they don't have that. Both of them were, were in their primes. Were known for being like these, like you know, really like rugged, rough, like blood bleeding, you know, tough, rough guys. They're not that anymore. Um, but it was like, yeah, it was a great fight. It was very, you know, uh, it was great. That's all I got. It was two old men. It was it was a very good matchmaking. That is what I'll say about. It. Yeah, yeah, and that's a you know there's there's very few things I like more than a couple of forty-ish uh, year old mixed martial arts veterans throwing down because, like you said, at this point in their careers, they're not able to dish out as much explosive damage as they probably once were in their careers, but all the skills and all the ways that they're able to express themselves in the octagon are on full display um really fun the, the ground i think what probably surprised a lot of people coming into it was the amount of groundwork and uh i thought it was it was brilliant to watch uh really really fun yeah um and also the first time i've ever seen someone cut their head open with the cage yeah that was a weird one that was weird. Uh, then the main event. I mean, I, I don't feel it's one of those it's one of those performances. I'm not sure I could say anything about it that hasn't already been said, but an absolute masterclass from Max Holloway. What did you think? How pumped were you coming off that main event? Incredibly pumped. That was a jaw dropping performance. I. Um... I mean, in the fourth round, when it clearly should have been stopped and wasn't, I'm like, I'm jumping up off the couch. I'm screaming at the TV. Like, I'm super invested at that point. Um, it got me thinking afterwards. I was like, who, who is my favorite active fighter right now? Just my personal favorite. 
fighter that's active right now. And I was got to thinking about it and I was like, it has to be either Max or Izzy. And I think it's Max. I, like at a certain time years ago, it was probably like Cerrone, you know, like a guy that just likes fighting all the time, throwing down, getting into balls. Dude, Max is the ultimate level of that. Like the shit he's doing is just outrageous. Like the 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 ultimate, the, I'm putting his cardio up there with like flyweights, like the ultimate cardio, period. The guy's throwing 700 strikes all the way into the fifth round after 25 minutes, not tired. I mean, like obviously he's tired, but like he is still going with the same pace that he was in the first. It's insane. Um, crazy performance. Another one got me thinking like what were other like just masterful performances like, like Usman against Woodley. Woodley, super highly respected at the time, multiple title defenses. It stomped 50-45 flat. I mean, this fight was a 50 out of 50-42. I've never seen a 50-42 before. Two 50-43s and a 50-42. I mean, I, I, it's, it's just insane. Max is, is amazing, uh, has been amazing, continues to be amazing. This I'll refer to him as the Ultra Instinct Max, the DBZ, the <laughs> yeah. ass guys out there. He hit an ascended level, um, which uh, Calvin Cater, granted, he, he did a great job in just, you know, absorbing damage. I'll give him that for whatever it's worth. Um, but he gave Max a lot to work with. He, he moves very, he doesn't move laterally. All his blocking is a lot of just showing up and eating punches. And he kind of for the last two to three rounds essentially just became a standing punching bag for Max. Mm -hmm. um, but even still, Max was just that that's that shit at the end of the fifth round was just looking out of the cage, talking to DC whilst landing a strike on Calvin and then doing the full Anderson versus Bonner, just like boop, 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 boop. No, not even looking at you. Dodged all that shit. Uh, you are nothing to me. He, yeah, that's, that's the guy. That is in my humble opinion the best featherweight in the world which i know this is a highly debated topic right now in the ufc with the fact that there is another man holding the belt in the division but i would argue that you can have a best fighter of a certain division that is not the belt holder what you think well, i mean that's always been the argument right because i mean that's the thing that uh, Chael Sonnen has said forever and ever is that the best is an illusion because you're the best until, you know, Anderson Silva was the best until Chris Weidman showed up. Chris Weidman was the best until Rockhold showed up. Like the belt, the belt ultimately is an illusion, but I mean, I just, I'm not completely comfortable with, I mean, the truth of the matter is, right, Volkanovsky is up 2-0 against Max. It might not be that version of Max, but he's 2-0 against Max. Max has had two opportunities to beat Volkanovski, and he can't. Um, the first one I thought was pretty clear-cut Volkanovski. It's uh, become a really weary debate about the second one, about, you know, Max actually won or whatever. But, I mean, it's just – it's a uh, – we talk about it a lot in MMA, and I think 
you just, I just, I'm always, I'm always trying to guard myself against recency bias. Like, you know, if Volkanovsky goes out and uh, knocks out uh, Ortega, Ortega, right? He goes starch at Ortega. We're back to saying that Volkanovsky is the best featherweight in the planet. It's just, it's just who have we seen last? Um, granted. Um, you know, we'll take a look at the rankings next. There's no one else, you know, like they're the, the three is Ortega, um, at a distant third, in my opinion, um, even, even while he put on a masterful performance against Korean zombie. That's all he had. And in all honesty. He doesn't really have much of a claim to a title shot. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it, it feels strange to give Max an immediate third fight. But Ortega, yeah, I mean, just got beat to all hell by Max. And if if he wins against Volkanovski or if Volkanovski does anything less than obliterate Ortega, I mean, it just, it, you know, Max has a very strong case to stand on. Well, that's the, that's the interesting thing about the Ortega fight because it's a new Ortega. It's like a completely different Ortega than we've ever seen. And, uh, and I think that's why he's getting so many props, really. Uh, when he when this conversation is taking place, uh, a lot of places, people are really treating him like, uh, you know, these three dudes as three kings, uh, yep. which one's the true ruler, right? Um yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, yeah. It, what what else could you say? And and one thing has to be said: when the scorecards are read at the end of a fight, and you see fifty forty three on two and fifty forty two on one, at that point, like, is that a sign that maybe you need to like have the referee do a review? Like, is that a, is that a sign that maybe you need to like? give corners guidelines about when they should stop it for their fighter. This was honestly 10 extra minutes that didn't need to happen. We knew yeah. who the, we knew, we knew who was the better fighter after 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I'm all, I'm all about more fights. I'm all about seeing more fighting, but man, if the corners and the referees don't want to stop it, a possible solution would be three-round main events. Because it doesn't seem like anything else... It doesn't seem like anyone else wants to change. And the corners are never going to apologize. The referees are never going to apologize. Calvin Cater was clearly not as good. And if the point of the sport is to find out who the best in the world is, we can do that after 15 minutes. We don't need 25 minutes just to have a fuller television schedule. It's, uh, yeah, it was tough to watch after a certain point, especially right after, I mean, it was it was the same week that the Spencer Fisher article came out. Yeah. It just didn't need to happen, man. It yeah. just didn't need to happen. And I hope he takes a shit ton of time off. Yeah. Because he needs it. Yeah, I mean, God, he needs to take the Ortega approach. I mean, good Lord, yeah, two years off probably. It's like heal your brain and come back because 
Lord knows how much damage that did to him. Not alone just his taking years off his fighting career, but like taking years off his brain. I mean, good Lord, just the damage sustained is outrageous. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally should have been stopped. Yeah, that was a mess. Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look. The next. Um, so these are the records. The record that was that was broken in that fight. Uh, speaking of damage inflicted and taken, um, Max Holloway broke his own record. Um, Five hundred seventy-eight combined significant strikes in the in the main event. So it's adding both of them together. Um, Geez, dude. 578 shared significant strikes. Granted, we know who landed more of them. Yeah, obviously. Um, you know, Max is like, uh, hmm. I uh, throw it back to you. Let me, let me build this idea more. You, you go from there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, fights with the most combined significant strikes, Max is in all three of them. So speaking of brain health and saving yourself, um, it's good he doesn't spar anymore. Um, and then I'll go ahead and read Calvin Cutter's um, post-fight statement via Instagram we have on the right here. Uh, success in life comes when you simply refuse to give up. With gold so strong, the obstacles, failures, and loss only act as motivation. Props to Max on a hell of a fight. He deserves all the praise. Thankful for my team's commitment for this fight. On to the next. There is no stopping the man who doesn't quit. And I mean, that that's certainly in line with Calvin Cutter because as much as we do talk about uh, it should have been stopped or whatever, truth of the matter is they can quit anytime they want. And uh, while it was also horrifying, it was also inspiring to see Calvin Cutter stay into it. And, and I would say, I was going to say this earlier, but it popped back in my head. Uh, his fight on Saturday was really represented the curse of the power puncher, especially a guy like Calvin Cutter, who does carry his, he carries his power deep into a fight. It's just, unfortunately, Max Holloway has a hell of a chin. So... And, and Calvin Cutter landed some awesome punches. He landed a, a few brutal uppercuts when Max, Max ended up on the inside. And probably most featherweights on the planet would have at least wobbled. Uh, but Max Holloway, at worst, backed away a little bit, took a few breaths, and then went back to the pressure. So... Yeah, dude, Max has an insane, insane chin. I mean, remember, he, he went up with, with no uh, intention of putting on weight or anything, just getting cut weight and went up to lightweight, fought Dustin Poirier, um, ate bombs and got beat up pretty good and then ended up coming back and winning the fifth round of that fight. Um, and yeah, it was was fine. I mean, his chin is very strong. Uh, he obviously, with his, his big flurry at the end of the fifth, was making the case that he is the best boxer in MMA. This was my thought I was trying to put together earlier. I, I, I guess I break striking down in MMA into two distinct categories as volume strikers and snipers. Your snipers 
or your Connors, your Izzy, your Michael Johnsons, your guys that are, are throwing one shots that put you out, your snipers, all the rest, playing strikers, your Diaz's, your Maxes, and them. Of your volume strikers across all weight classes, I have to say Max, I think, is the best volume striker in MMA. Well, I don't I don't even think he has much competition. That's it. I mean when you consider well a, when you consider the gas tank, because there are yeah. volume strikers that I mean they just can't keep that pace, man. Yeah. Like there's no one else that can keep that pace. And you know, thinking about volume strikers, yeah, it's it's hard to think of it, it because there's you know, there's a there's you know, uh, I hate I, I hate it, but it's true. There's levels. Yes. It sounds it sounds super basic to say it, but there are there's levels. It's very true. And so all those, those rankings. Yeah, that, yeah. That is when we we will we will get to these levels. So, so we'll first we'll address the rankings on the right. Those are the current featherweight rankings as of well as of earlier this afternoon. These are the featherweight rankings. We have Max at number one. He's staying put. We have Ortega at number two, staying put. We have Zabit, who, in my opinion, is... I just need to see him fight a top five guy, to be honest. A top five guy who also wins in five rounds before I really... Whatever, we're not talking about Zabit, but I personally think that he's um, he's relatively untested. Yes, I'm beat? surprised he's number three. That yeah. that was the that was honestly when I looked at these rankings, my first thought was, how is he number three? Yes, Zabit. His next fight, 100, has to be a five round main event. He's never been in five rounds. Has to be in five rounds if you're going to be up at number three fighting for title contention. Well, yeah, because I mean he's finished guys for sure, but uh, he's also to... shown to be getting tired at the end of the third round in some of these fights. Yeah, even Calvin Cater. Well, he's explosive, man. He he throws a ton of weapons. He he's. I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's not good. I just. I feel like his highest profile win is Calvin Cutter, who's number six. And it's like, look at this breakdown of this list, right? So you got Max at number one. Max is not even the champion of this division. He's number one. The number six guy got 50-42. Okay, so anyone below him, seven through 15, you're you're getting 50-40, okay? So there are only... Brian Ortega is to beat Yair Korean Zombie between the two, between them. That's it. Those are the only options of people that Max could even possibly fight. Ortega already obliterated him. That's not going to happen. Options for people for Max to fight is to beat Yair Korean Zombie. Korean Zombie's coming off of a bad loss to Ortega. It's not going to be him. So you got, are you, are we, would we want to max up? Matchup Max against Yair or Zabit? I don't know about either one of those things. Zabit has never fought five rounds, and you're going to put him in a five round main event against the five round guy, the guy 
Um, and Yair has been, he's been five rounds. He went five rounds with Zombie. Yeah, but but Dana White, again, Dana White just says stuff. So I don't want to put too much stock into what he said. But it was relatively recently he was asked about the status of Yair Rodriguez. And he said, I do not see him fighting anytime soon. I don't know what that means. Oh, that was revealed. If you missed that reveal. No, uh, what is it? It was USADA. He got USADA. Uh, that was the reveal. Ooh. So he has currently On been spotted. I don't recall the exact details, um, but he is wrapped up in a USADA situation right now. Uh, so, Two-year one? I don't think it's a two-year one because they would have pulled him from the rankings already. So I'm not right. sure exactly what happened. We'll have to look it up after the show. We'll have it could have been some 420, dog. That's true. They did just do away with all They literally that. just did away with them. So, uh, wow. yeah. Featherweight, featherweight is in a rough spot right now. That's all it's I'm saying. A, it's super young. It's, it's super young. Head. It's but super t- top head. Yeah. Hmm. Man. Yeah, there's some really – there's fun matchups. But, yeah, you're right. Once you get to a certain point, you get to this – I mean, you don't know till you know. Like, you don't know till they face off, which is what I love about MMA. But at the same time, we have data to work with on all these people. And really, you do get to a certain point where it's like, well, yeah, there's there's fun matchups from number, you know, number five all the way down to 15. But yeah, you look at the top two, the top three, including the champion, and you're like, oh, they're going to put him against like, no, but like, Nothing against, I'm just going to pick a name out of the hat. Um, Shane Burgos. It's like. Shane, let's say Shane Burgos rattles off a win against Arnold Allen, Jeremy Stevens, and Josh Emmett. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I think he should face down Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, or Volkanovsky? No. He's, it's like the, 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 the task before any person in the featherweight division right now is, Oh, do you want a title shot? Well, in order to get a title shot, you have to go through Max Holloway. That's oh. you, have to, you have to get through him. You're not even fighting for the belt. It's insane. No one is going, no one in the division is up to the task right now, which is why we're left with this. Like, what do we do? What do we do if we Dude, it, it has to be said. It has to be said. I feel horrible for Volkanovsky. Of course. He's I feel horrible. He is one of the few champions, right? He's one of the few champions that is truly like, I do not care about any weight class other than my own. I yeah. want to fight. I want to fight an endless stream of dudes who they say are the best. And I want to be all of them top to bottom. Well, unfortunately for him, the list begins and ends with Max Holloway. Yeah. He can't get away from the man. No. And, and and the thing is, it's not like he's dodging him. From where from where Volkanovsky is, he's like, I'm not afraid to fight him. I've beaten him twice. I and just am not part, interested. The part that no one talks about, which is the real truth behind all of this, is so they fight a third time. If Max wins, they will never do that fight again. <laughs> they will be like, all right, we're good. 
we're out. Vax has got the belt back. We're never going to do a fourth fight between the two of them. So Volkanovski then is going to be dicked over and never get a chance at the belt again because there's there's it's just the way it's going to shake out. The problem is he has a name like a dude who doesn't speak English. Yeah, yeah. So when people hear like featherweight champion Matt, like a uh, yeah, Volkanovski, mm-hmm. I think the general fan is just like not going to know what that guy's talking about. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, he's he's just an Australian dude, or is he from New Zealand? I don't remember. I think it's New Zealand. Maybe it's Australia. Who knows? I know it's horrible. We're not very cultured people over here in America. Well, it's just hard to tell. I mean, uh, but you know, well, it's easy to tell when they speak, but you know. Anyway, ah, uh, hold on, hold on. It's New Zealand. It's New Zealand because does he work with City Kickboxing? He does, but I thought he did something with. No, him. no, he's Australian yeah. because he works with Eugene Merman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's uh Whitaker's Whitaker's coach. Which did you? That's a good. That's a good match. Oh, Eugene, Bearman, Eugene Bearman is a uh, city kickboxer. Well, shit. Who's, who's uh, what's his name? I watch. I watch Grange TV. Yeah, yeah. That Why guy. do I not know his name? I forgot it, but yeah, I know a guy. Yeah, you should watch if you haven't already. His reaction to Max's performance. Mm, no, I haven't seen that. It's it's good. Because uh, he said, yeah, he he understands. He's like, I, there's no one else. <laughs> but it sucks. Um, yeah, and then moving on to the left. So we'll move away from the featherweight division and focus in on welterweight. Perfect. Now, now we had Jing Liang take out Ponzinibbio in the first round which catapulted him to number 12 as of earlier today, number 12. Now, looking at those rankings, who would you want to see him take on in that top, that, uh, that bottom of the top 15? Honestly, 10, 11, or 13 are all excellent options. I don't want to see him versus Robbie Lawler. And obviously, Hoff is basically number three at this point. They're just putting him at number 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, here's a, here's another one because I'll enter his name into the co- in the conversation. After Condit has come off two wins, granted, one against Court McGee, another against another aged veteran of the sport in in Matt Brown. Is that a fight that you would want to see? No, it isn't. Me either. Thank God. Yeah. I don't want to see. I want to see. I don't. Th- people are trying to push Condit into the top fifteen. It's not. And I still do not. I want to see. If anything, I want a Lawlery match. That's the shit I'm talking about. I yeah. want him to be fighting like Diego Sanchez. That's not bad. I'm wondering. I'm wondering uh, if he would be open to that. But I think a Lawler rematch would be baller. Perfect. It'd be super cool. Yeah. yeah. I was going to throw out a wild one, because, but it's kind of fits in with what you were saying earlier, right? The UFC likes to, when they get a, a young up-and-comer, to have him kill off an old an old legend. How about uh, 
Anthony Jing Liang versus old Tyron Woodley. What you think about that? Ooh, that actually, I kind of like that because uh, when you're looking at building up uh, Jing Liang, although he blames jet lag for his Neil, his Neil Magny loss. He's got some questions to answer when it comes to wrestling and his work on the floor. So I think a fighter who's going to push him in that area would be, would be pretty good. If you're not looking to actually build him in any sort of way, you put him up against Jeff Neal put him up against Vicente Luque or Robbie Lawler, uh, even Bilal Muhammad, dudes who are going to throw down with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. All the weight, I, you know, we settle in after each event, and usually it's the event, the uh, the weight class that's most featured on the card. And we're just like, man, this weight class is on fire. But truth of the matter is, you look at the top 15 of just about any weight class, and there's fun fights everywhere. Yeah. I'm down to watch. I just put put these put the uh, top fifteen in a in a round robin and just sent me down. Yeah, put them on shuffle. All right. We'll move on to today's card. Cause I'm looking at the clock. And uh, this one's gonna this app's gonna go a little bit. So we had two cards to cover. But we'll move through this car, this uh, this pretty quick, because there's not a ton I want to I want to talk about. The, you know, we'll highlight a couple of fun scraps on the card. If people skip this one and they want to go back and watch, um, there's a few that you should check out on the prelims. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov uh, taking on uh, Sergey Morov. Honestly, Sergey, while I did predict he was going to lose did significantly better than I thought he was going to do. He countered a lot of Nurmagomedov's game. And the people who expected Umar Nurmagomedov to be a carbon copy of Khabib, it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, he's way more agile with his kicks and his punches, his kicks especially. He has a really great question mark kick. Um, another fight from the prelims, that was really good. Uh, Omari Akhmadov, Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze looked like he was about to put Akhmadov away with a calf slicer and threw some crazy Russian scramble. Akhmadov puts Tom Breeze to sleep with a head and arm choke. Really, really great win and really way to, to rebound from that Weidman loss. Um, and then just to highlight a uh, few of the performances. Uh, Viviane Araujo, she really dominated Mataferi. Mataferi looked overwhelmed at multiple times in that fight. Um, Matt Schnell and Tyson Nam threw down and, and really represented for the flyweights. Leon Murphy and Douglas Andrade, they threw down too. That's a fun... Uh, Douglas Andrade made his debut, and he is a tank of a man, really scary to face down. He reminds me of a prime uh, uh, dang we saw him he fought in the UFC forever we saw him finish a dude in Indy uh, Tiago 
whatever. He's Brazilian. He's a, he's a tank of a man. Uh, but really, let's talk about the co-main event and the main event. Warley Alves came back after a long layoff and really did his Warley Alves thing, man. He, he was explosive. While he was a little bit more patient than normal, but when he needed to turn it on, he turned it on and he put uh, Lazes away. And there was a lot of hype around Lazes. Uh, Warley Alves was a, a, a plus 200 underdog in that fight. Now, Brad, when we started this call, um, you were getting heated. You were loosening up your tie. You were red in the face. Um, now, I have some thoughts about the main event, but I've been talking. I'm going to turn it over to you, and I want to hear what you think about this main event. All right. I'm going to rant this one out. I hated this main event. Hated it. I will explain why. Okay. Let's start on the Neil Magny side of things. Okay, Neil Magny, a man who is coming off of just obliterating Robbie Lawler not that long ago, fairly recently, had a great fight and has had a string of great fights where he's put together some really good performances that earned him a number eight ranking in the division. He looked brain dead fighting today for five full rounds. The, some of the worst fight IQ I've ever seen. He comes in as the striker, Kiesa clearly the grappler. Kiesa, we'll talk about him in a minute. All his, his game plan, shoot the takedown. Neil Magny, oh no, stuff the takedown. I stuff the takedown. What am I gonna do now? I'm gonna grab you, then I'm gonna fall over, I'm gonna pull you on top of me for five rounds. It was maddening. Okay, let's step over to, to Michael Kiesa for a second. All right. Here's what I learned about Michael Kiesa's game after watching him win a nice five-round fight. His striking, garbage. His submission, garbage. His cardio, garbage. The only thing he's good at is transitioning and controlling on the ground. I'm going to need you to use the words. Garbage. <laughs> Elaborate. What do you mean? They're I awful. thought he looked... I, I thought, thought he looked, looked... not top-ten welterweight is on the feet. Not top-ten welterweight on the feet at all. He looked amateur. No, he's not. No, he's not. Ryan Hall's not a top five. He's not a top 15 featherweight on the feet either. But when he gets you on the floor, he is... He is That's fine. If, if Michael Chiesa did something to you on the floor, other than just yes. transition and lay on top of you, we could we could do something, but Neil Magny's laying there brain dead, and Michael Kiesa is just no. fucking flipping all over him, no. not doing shit. No, no, no. We I did not watch the same fight. I did this not. This is the fight I watched. I sat there like, what the hell is this? These are supposed to be the number seven and eight welterweight in the division, and then oh, oh, like, oh, you know, one of you. No, I'm I'm going over to the next the next slide because I have the rankings pulled up. Okay. Wait. We'll talk. I'm like any anyone ranked above them, him would get obliterated. Look at these people. Stephen Thompson. Uh, what who do you call out? Colby. Colby yeah. does kind of the same thing, but way the fuck better. I can't even imagine Usman versus either one of these people would be a slaughtering. 
I thought, I thought my bro. I thought Michael Chiesa. No, he didn't get the finish. Magny's a hard dude to finish. Magny gets finished by the pinnacle. He gets finished by people who are specialists. Now, I will give you that Magny fought a very, very confused... Because I understand the first part of your rant. Magny's fight IQ in this in this bout was... Like, when I was... I don't really... I don't study the main cards in the same way. So, just going with what I understood about the two fighters, Magny really needed to fight behind his jab and pick away over the course of five rounds. And it was very, very confusing that not only did he, this is a, this is a skill set that I don't think many people have mastered in MMA. If you watch Gegard Mousasi, Gegard Mousasi is one of the few dudes that comes to mind who is legitimately anti-clinch. Gegard Mousasi, when you try and clinch him and he doesn't want to clinch, he pushes away. He under he underhooks and pushes away because his stand-up is good enough that he's not worried about strikes on the exit because he's been there, done that. Magny, for some reason, yeah, was was really weird. He wouldn't, not only was he not maintaining his jab and maintaining his distance, he was inviting clinches and he was going he was going for takedowns, which, I mean, it's mixed martial arts. And there's something to be said about trying to mix up, mix it up to where, you know, your, your opponent is not, because if, if uh, you know, if Kieso was 100% certain that, like, Magni is not going to try and grapple at all, then he would have no respect heading into the grappling exchanges. But... For Magni to hit some of the really, in the fifth round, Magni goes for a back take that was just so, it was just so ill-advised, man. His route to victory over the last 23 minutes, it was already illustrated. His route to victory is not on the floor. Mm -hmm. Magni had had multiple positions that were good for him. And Michael Chiesa scrambled his way out and then scrambled his way on top and then ground Magni out for the rest of whatever round that would happen. In. So it was, it was very, it was very, very confusing to watch him go into this fight where everyone in every breakdown, including I'm sure his coaches were like, okay, if the fight is vertical, we win. It has to stay standing. It has to be at range because Magni has excellent boxing and he has excellent striking from range. And he has an excellent style when he wants to execute it of picking people apart because Magni's not a power puncher. He was never going to put PSO away with strikes, but he could have poked at him for 25 minutes and came away by being the more active striker. That's not what he did. And Kiesa took full advantage and yeah, while a finish would have been great on Kiesa's side, when you look at the individual exchanges, I was beyond impressed with some of the scrambles that Kiesa managed to come out on top 
there were there were moments where Kiesa would start to get turned over and through just this awesome body awareness and just position there was one moment in the fight where he was legit just sitting on Magni and that believe it or not is like a that's a pretty hard thing to pull off really because the person on bottom like it's not a very secure position but yeah man I was I was honestly I was impressed because I thought no Kiesa is not gonna he's not going to you know he's not gonna go compete in glory next weekend that's for sure but his stand-up did look better and in multiple exchanges it looked better it didn't look better but it was more successful than Magny's and that threat of the takedown will take a subpar striker a long way and yeah i was i was impressed i was impressed i uh when i was kind of trying to break this fight down in my head it was really try really hard to pick a winner because magni magni is an all-rounder magni is a dude who is durable and has has fought in all positions has won in all positions and but but an all-rounder in that he's not uber dominant in any one so the ability for Pieta to make him look one-dimensional i was very impressed with now when we look at the top 10 the winner of this fight is staring down the barrel of the top five and i don't like you know, I'm I'm tired of Woodley being used as a gatekeeper, but I wouldn't be mad at Kiesa taking on Woodley. Damn, that's depressing. It is I depressing. Why, I don't know why Damian Maya's still there. He can go. He just needs one more retirement fight, so I'm not sure why we're keeping him around number seven. Um, but yeah, no, God, what a depressing ass fight that is. We're already at Woodley versus Michael Kiesa. How boring that fucking fight is going to be. Good lord. And what a fall from grace. Woodley, you're fighting Michael Chiesa all of a sudden. You were just in the, you were just fighting for belts. Oh man. I mean, like it or not, Chiesa's like 4-0. What else do you do with him? What else do you do with him? Because it's like he's gotta fight one of those guys. Stephen Thompson should be fighting above him. You got Gilbert fighting for the belt. If Colby fights Jorge, Leon's fighting. I mean, that's all of them. Nobody's available except for Stephen Thompson. No, I think Stephen Thompson really is the odd man out, and I think that honestly, that's um, if we're looking at the rankings, if Thompson's willing to play ball, that's who he's that's who he's looking at fighting next. Is Wonderboy and Kiesa? Huh? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, yeah, you're right. Everyone else seems to be spoken for. I mean, uh, we have this over on the far left. Kiesa called out Covington, but that there's just too much smoke around yeah. Masvidal Covington for it not to happen. It would be it would be a disappointment to the general MMA community if that fight didn't happen next for both men, yes. and it's kind of depressing for Stephen Thompson because Thompson seems to have the attitude of a dude who knows he doesn't have a time. I mean, he doesn't look washed up. 
he looks as good as he's ever looked. His last fight was awesome. But, you know, Thompson, Thompson knows he's, you know, he's 37, he's 38. He doesn't want to waste his time with anyone under him yeah. in the rankings. And I, and I wouldn't assign that to arrogance or anything like that, but I mean, it's a risk that he cannot afford to lose. He can't afford to lose to number eight in the world. And he's just fought two guys beneath him that are super dangerous. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, Michael Chiesa is probably not going to get Covington. He's, you know, he's relatively unscathed. Yeah. So I would expect him to maybe, maybe be a backup for Edwards Maev. Sure. Uh, but if not, I think I think unfortunately for Stephen Thompson, it makes the most sense. Or fortunately for Stephen Thompson, because Stephen Thompson is no stranger to counter wrestling. No, I don't. I think that's a pretty honestly, easy fight for Wonder Boy. Honestly, and he's honestly pretty damn good at it by this point. So I think it's a pretty, it's a relatively safe fight for Thompson. Honestly, if anything. I'd go fucking down. Yeah, I think Vincente Luque would beat the shit out of Michael Chiesa. Um, but, yeah, whatever. He seems to already be past that point for some reason. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I mean, he's 4-0. I mean, he has, he's 4-0 at welterweight. And... But he only got that ranking because his, his guy he beat was RDA, who was halfway out the door, headed back to lightweight. Hey, man. Yeah, I think actually this is it's even if you were depressed about Michael Chiesa taking on Woodley, I think we might be looking at mm, Neil Magny. Oh, or, Neil Magny! If Neil Magny ever fights like he did in that fight again, immediately send him to Bellator. I mean, that was like just the shittiest fucking main event performance I've ever seen. It, it he was fought like confusing, man. Fight at nine a.m. on a Wednesday. It was. It was. It was. Uh, and it was almost as confusing as, um, no, no, no. Listen, th- this is what I'll say is that I think Magni at the beginning of the fight, listen, by round two, it should have been apparent that like, I need to be on my bike and I need to box. I need to, I need to jab forever for 25 minutes. I need to jab because neither, I mean, we all knew coming into this fight, no one was going to win this fight spectacularly. They were going to fight it by, they were going to win by being the most bread and butter version of what they do well. Yeah. So I'm not surprised we didn't get an explosive finish, but when you show that absolute lack of fight IQ in the top 10, ugh. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's move on to the next slide. Habib's big announcement. It was teased on Saturday. Tune in at 3 p.m. Dana White had a meeting with Khabib, and you can already read the <laughs> text. Um, a Russian or Dagestani outlet spoke to Khabib. It honestly seemed like they they ambushed him because Khabib didn't seem too terribly pleased to speak to this guy. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, he literally told him like, the only reason I'm talking to you is because people back home say I talk to Americans too much. And then at one time he's just like, yeah, I think I've given you enough. See you later. But he said some pretty interesting things. Uh, Dana White's out here just saying stuff, just saying like, yeah, he wants to see something special. And when the interviewer presses Khabib on what would be special, Khabib says, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he just it's says like, that. It's you know, like he, obviously Dana comes out and says that, and it's clearly not something that you said behind the scenes. I have another quote here from Khabib that I would like to read that just came out. Come on, don't push me to do things that will disappoint my mother. Don't torment me. Don't torment me. Let me enjoy what I have for today. This man has no intentions of coming back to fight. No matter what anyone does spectacularly, it's not going to matter. No, Khabib wants for nothing. He does not care. He's rich as shit. He's super rich. He owns a fight promotion now. He enjoys training for his well-being. He enjoys getting his family members and friends ready for their own fights. And that's it. Like, he doesn't want to fight anymore. And I don't want to... Dude, the last thing I want... Because he even said in this same interview, he's like, some people fight for fame or money or whatever. He is pretty much just like, I fought because I was hungry. And I'm not hungry anymore. I own I own the fight promotion. I do what I want. He's like, there's there's really no reason for me to fight anymore. Don't want to do it. And I hope he doesn't. Yep. So anyway, that's uh that's Khabib's big announcement. Oh man. This is a marathon of a show, Brad. Yeah, it's a long one. Two fifty seven. Uh, what do you think about this main card, man? It's solid. It is solid. Um, they don't typically stack uh, Connor pay-per-views that crazily because Connor's just going to do all the work by himself. But this was a little bit more stacked than some of the more recent Connor cards. Um, that Dan Hooker Michael Chandler fight is a banger. Um, Jessica I generally sucks, but hopefully Joanne Calderwood can beat her because she also sometimes sucks when she's not supposed to. Um, and Amanda Rebos uh, should be have an amazing fight against Marina Rodriguez. Um, that should be a banger. And uh, yeah, all of them. I mean, it should be a really good main card. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been waiting for Chandler to come to the UFC forever. Yeah. I've been I've been wanting to see him in the UFC for a very long time, and we finally get to. It just, to me, the big, because I've never had a doubt in my mind that at multiple points in his career, he very well could have been the champion in the UFC. He's that gifted. But is that time too late? Are we too late? Is Michael Chandler, uh, did he wait too long? According to him, this is absolutely the best time. But I can't remember. How old is he? I mean, like 36, I think. I I would think that the, the the era that you're speaking of would have been when 
when Ben Henderson was lightweight champion of the UFC? No, no, no. Um, I would say the first time he beat Ben Henderson about six years ago. About six years ago, I've I've been. That was Ben. That was when Bendo first went over, right? So mm-hmm. it would have been in the middle of like the Pettis mess or yep. uh, RDA. Yep. He could beat RDA. He yeah. could probably beat RDA and Pettis. I think he could have um, beaten RDA. I think he could have beaten Eddie Alvarez again. Um, and I mean, to be told, I think that he, the skill, okay, so we're just guessing based on his age. Yeah. But his recent performances really give no indication that he's slowing down. I mean, his last performance was a first round KO win. Yeah, so, I just think it's just a bad matchup for him, honestly. Like, of all the, of all the top five lightweights, it's a horrible way to get welcomed into the UFC, yeah. Dan Hooker. Because yeah. Dan Hooker is what? He is just now 30? Yeah. So, peak physical prime, only getting better, working at city kickboxing, it is a horrible, horrible matchup because Dan Hooker is dangerous everywhere, man. He's dangerous in a lot of the positions that Michael Chandler is going to need to get to to get his game going. So, Because Michael Chandler is a fantastic wrestler, and people forget that when in his last few fights, he really has sniped people with his right hand. He's really dipped in and, and just slept people with with that that power right of his yeah but the problem is i'm not sure he's going to be able to do that with dan hooker who's so much taller and dan hooker's chin is granite i mean people yeah. are not like sparking him like even these fights where he loses he, because his organs fail because he's getting beat up so bad like it's not because he's getting knocked out in the chin um and it's only a three-round fight i just think the odds are against michael chandler in that one he's got an uphill battle yeah, and I don't I don't want to be I really want Calderwood to win. I do too. More than any probably more than any other one on this call. Yeah, yeah. Calderwood has been multiple times in a position where they're like, please just win this fight and we will give you the title shot. We want to give you the title shot. And she's like, oh, all right, loses every single time in a fight where she's clearly supposed to win. Yeah, uh, one more note on Chan. I really I I'll say that I want Chandler to win. Oh, I do too. I want the fresh the and Dan Hooker winning does nothing. No, for me, for me, I just I just know we've seen this story before, man. A dude who's super successful outside of the UFC gets in the UFC, loses his debut, and then the whole narrative the whole narrative is see he wasn't even that good, which is just but, just super unfair, man. But some of those people, like the Alvarez's and the uh, the other one that I just forgot, they come in, lose their first one, then get it together and end up winning yeah. the belt. Yeah, which is entirely possible. Um, I just have to say, so Calderwood, while I do like her as a fighter, Jessica I, for some reason, I find uniquely unsu- insufferable. Mm-hmm. She has this whole narrative of, like, no one wants her to, like... I guess I'm reinforcing it right now because I don't want her to win. But 
she there's a reason why we don't want her to win yeah her whole career though from like the the mo you know from the word go she's just been like you know no one believes in me no one likes me they don't give me opportunities blah 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 just like just a moaner man just it's just, like oh that's probably because every time you get a main event it fucking sucks i don't know why <laughs> we ever gave you multiple main events but let's never do that again she's a solid fighter but just like her as a as a personality is just her personality is off-putting is what i'll say yeah yeah, yeah. um that main event though yeah what do you think, man? I really, really, my biggest hope in all of this is that Dustin Poirier is durable enough at lightweight to not get sparked in the first round. Yeah. That seems to be the largest like consensus, and I get it. Dustin gets hit a lot. His whole persona at lightweight is around like a guy that's a brawler, absorbs a lot of damage, but gives a lot of damage back. He cannot fight like that against Connor. Just like, I'm going to eat one to throw one. Well, you're going to be dead if you do that. It just doesn't work that way. But Dustin Poirier has the skills to make it an interesting fight. I just want him to use them. I want him to go after the first round and try to grapple, nullify, wear out Connor, and make it an, a nice, interesting, long fight. I just don't want another Cerrone fight where he runs out there, starts throwing hands, and gets sparked in a minute and 20 seconds. Because that's it's not, it's not bad by any means, but it's just like I would really I want I want to see Connor challenged. I want him fighting the best guys that are gonna put it on him. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to see him in exciting fights. Uh, like you know, him him blowing people out of the water. We haven't got it too much lately, but like when we only get to see him fight once a year, I don't want that once a year to be for 30 seconds. Well, I mean, that's the thing, man, is it's kind of hard. It's just Conor McGregor, dude. Yeah. Like you put Donald Cerrone up against anyone else in the top five. Okay. I'm just assuming Khabib's retired. All right. Like yeah. I don't want to keep. But he is retired. So you take anyone else in the top five, they do not do that to Cowboy Cerrone. They don't. There's no one in the top five that would that would dust Cerrone in 41 seconds. McGregor has this, this unnatural level of power that the other people in the division just don't have. It's really, really freaky. And yeah, man, Conor McGregor takes durable guys, and like like Aldo, Aldo wasn't chinny before he fought Conor McGregor. He'd fought in some battles. The Mark Hominick fight was a battle. The Lamas fight was a battle. Conor McGregor shut him off, and Conor McGregor, for better or worse really i think can do that to anyone you know from 145 pounds to probably a good deal of 170 yeah 
So, yeah, man, I, w- I agree. I agree. I would like to see, but, but this is a thing too, is if he does do that to Dustin Poirier, it's not because he was matched up with Dustin Poirier for him to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because it's because he has the touch of death. Yeah. And he's he's for real. And I and I think that people get lost in they get they get lost in the larger than life side of McGregor. That when you try and tone it down and really explain like my my coworkers at work, they're like, Oh, you really think McGregor can get it done? I'm like, Yeah. Like, of course, I think he can get it done. Like, well, I mean, he talks a lot and all this and that. I'm like, no, no, forget about all of that. His skills, his ability, and and the data we have on what he does when he fights. When all that shit's gone and it's just him and another dude in a fight, he is as good as anyone we've ever seen. And it's a, you know, it's a tough test because... At the same time, like, yeah, he normally knocks people out. But the truth of the matter is he can do he can do all of it. He he arguably gave the best account of himself than anyone else did against Khabib at the championship level with a broken foot. Yeah. So like yeah, man, I think that I think that the larger than life persona that that mcgregor puts out makes a lot of casuals think that it's a hype job they think that it's a mayweather thing but it's just no he's just fucking good man he's yeah. just good it's true i do expect him to knock out dustin i know i know it's almost boring to think that that's the thing that like i keep i keep thinking about it i'm like yeah i think he knocks him out but that sounds boring and predictable yeah. but there's a reason it's predictable. Yeah. Well, let's uh <laughs> that was that every time I see that picture, it was the first I I I Googled shocked face. Mm. And that was one of the first things I saw. That's a very was shocked a, face. Was a, was a baby alien thing losing its eyeballs out of its skull. Uh, but these are the first four pay-per-views of 2021, and boy, am I excited. Yeah, yeah, we were starved for uh, title fights kind of the end of the last year. Um, there, there, there's a point where they were just like, Davis and Figueredo, you're just going to headline two pay-per-views back-to-back. So we got a backlog of champions that need to defend their belt, so it's awesome that we're stacking them all up, finally. I mean, so, a lot of these are like, long overdue also so i have i have three three questions right so take away poirier mcgregor yeah which of those six title fights are you most excited about okay who do you think's most likely to upset okay and who do you think is most likely which title do you think is most likely to change hands? Okay. Uh, the fight of all those that I'm most excited for is Stipe Francis II. Um, the one that's most likely for the title to change hands 
Um, oof. Probably Yan and Sterling. Um, and then let's see. Upset. Oof. Maybe Ortega over Volkanovsky. Would Blahovich over Adesanya be an upset, I guess? Um, to me, no. But as far as the court of public opinion, yeah. That one, that one is one that, like, I don't know what the deal is, but, like, hardcore MMA, for some reason, is like, that's a lock. Adesanya wins that easy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about the guy that's, that's going to be fighting up 20 weight, 20 pounds without – actually trying to fight in that weight class so no it's not like going it's not like mcgregor doing yeah it's it's 145 and 155 it's like dude those 20 pounds so i have a lot of questions about that one and just the whole reason for it but um yeah i i am i am so ready for francis versus steve a2 that is long overdue I want that belt off of Stipe so bad. I just, and it's, I hate Stipe. And it's not because he sucks. It's just because he's so inactive that it drives me insane. He got into this beef with the UFC and he's, he's backed himself in this position where he's like, well, I got the belt now and I got all the leverage. So I'm just going to hold it hostage and I'm going to do whatever I want. And whatever I want is to fight once a year and I'll make all these contenders wait until I'm ready. Because I'm the champion. Fuck that. Defend the belt. What if it's it's like he's using the excuse being like, well, if I fight more than once, I'll get knocked out because heavyweight chins. You don't get to do that. No other division gets to do that. You gotta defend the belt. If you get knocked out, it is what it is. That's how life works. So I need Francis and Steve to happen so we can get John fighting the winner because that is the suit, the true ultimate mega fight of the year. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm very excited for Blahovitz and Adesanya. That's probably what I'm most excited about because, like you said, uh, a lot of people in the MMA bubble, it's possible to be in the MMA bubble and still be a casual uh, in spirit. Yeah. And I feel like the people saying that it's a lock for Adesanya are just they're just unreasonable like come on man Lahovitz has been doubted every step of the way and he's passed every step of the way yeah. I just I, yeah I, I can't see that granted Adesanya may win that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that is a really hard fight to pick yeah um Yeah, I think – damn, dude. I think Ngannou is most likely to get it done. And the upset – Sterling. Yeah. Um, And we'll do this real quick before we get out of here. Garbrandt calls for Aldo. What do you think about that? That's fine. I didn't like him going down to 125. I'm glad that we're over that now. And with him sticking he's not, at he's not. Yeah, with him sticking at 135, cool. Do whatever you want there. I love the Aldo fight. Aldo sounds great. Love it. Uh, Dillashaw cleared his thing. It's fine. Whatever. That's great. Whatever. Uh, Tatiana Suarez fight news aiming for yeah. summer. How do you feel yeah. about that? Love it. Yeah, me too. 
Genki Sudo makes music now. And with that, we're done. With <laughs> actually, Genki Sudo is actually a Japanese politician now. And again, Pratt, I'm so blown away, dude. Just look up, just Google Genki Sudo, man. Sure. Just Google him. You think, you think Jason Miller did good walkouts in Japan? Genki Sudo, he did it better. He did, he, in the words of Ray J, he did it first. Okay, yeah. That was nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I've never heard of this guy. I'll check him out. Yeah. Um, well, you got anything to say to the people before we get out of here? Nope. It was a long episode. Love y'all. Love democracy. Rock, flag, and eagle. See y'all next week. Rock, flag, and eagle indeed. Thank you for uh, for listening. And as always, if you'd like to uh, reach out, got a question, comment, or concern for the show, reach out in the comments down below or the comments down below on the site. And uh, yeah, it's late. Let's get out of here. See you guys next week. Thank you.